Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. All right, so we are starting today uh, the first of a four-week series on stress. Uh, I know it was tough to come up with that idea. I've only met a few people that I know have looked stressed. Um, I personally, when it happens in my life, I just get antsy and anxious. Uh, that's another word for it. So how many of you guys know anybody that's been stressed in your life? Maybe you have, yeah. So I thought, hey man, there's a good word to say anything about that. Let's uh, dig in there and find out what powerful uh, things can speak to us in our lives. And what I'm going to say to you guys right now is some of the things that we're going to talk about today and over the next four weeks uh, could be pretty scary. Um, because what we have to do uh, to, to get there is we have to unpack stress uh, as we go, and then uh, we have to see really what that looks like, where it's coming from, and then kind of put it back together to kind of see where we need to get with the whole deal. So um, one thing I want to ask you guys is if you'll just stay in the room for the conversation over the next four weeks so we can work through this together. Um, that's, that's what I want to ask you guys to do. It could be a, a frustrating, it could be scary, it could be kind of eye-opening at times, but I just want to ask that you guys to stay in the conversation to, for the deal to see where this really goes and what God's got to say about this uh, issue and what we can share with even others. And what we're going to see today specifically is how control is irrespectively... That was too big a word for me to say. Now I can't even say it. <laughs> Bleh. Control is linked to stress in our lives. I'll just put it really easy for you. Control is linked to stress in our lives. Today we're really going to focus on what, how control is linked to stress in our lives. How many of you guys um, like to be in control? Or like you're pretty controlling? I saw like a couple nudges. <laughs> That was awesome. Yeah. So it's a little bit of control. How many of you guys, when you're driving somewhere, you need to drive? Like you're the driver, right? Okay. So that might be a little control. Um, how many ladies out there, how many of you, uh, your spice racks in alphabetical order needs to stay all together? Not yeah, a couple. <laughs> Lifting up. Don't mess it up. Um, uh, so how many of you guys uh, say the toilet paper need, roll needs to be over or under? That's a big deal to you. Which way does? <laughs> All right. Well, here let's just solve it right now. How many of you guys? How many of you guys think it needs to be over, over the top? All right. How many of you guys under? That couple. That's awesome. How many of you guys think we're crazy for talking about that church right now? All right. Just is it there? Is the point right? <laughs> Not which way it goes. How many of you guys say, um, nobody else can load the dishwasher because I can't do it right, so I need to load the dishwasher right? Yes, I need to live with you because I cannot, I can't do it right. I have tried and I need you to do it for me. <laughs> so we're going to talk about how this, this issue of control is going to directly, directly relate uh, to how stressed you and I get out, get in life. It's going to directly, directly relate how stressed you and I get. In life, uh, and if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Mark four. Um, there's one around, uh, right around you in the seats, if you need one. And we're going to see in this moment how Jesus, in a moment of loss of control and panic stress, in this moment that he has this incredible, incredible lesson about control. About control. In in Mark four, we're going to be the thirty-five in just a second. 
We're going to see in, in Mark 34, see Jesus has been teaching and uh, with the crowds all day with his disciples. The crowds have been overwhelming and um, they've been with him all day long. And uh, Jesus says, hey, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee across the big pond. Um, and that was really going to be an opportunity for them to get a respite on the other side. They beat people over there because even if people wanted to walk, crowds would follow him wherever he went. Even if they wanted to walk all the way around um, to meet him on the other side, it would take them long enough. They'd have some time to rest. So it was evening, and, and uh, they took off to go, uh, Jesus and his disciples. And, and, and we're going to see that this huge storm then suddenly comes up. Uh, this storm might be familiar to a lot of you in this room. Um, but why we're talking about today is because I don't think we've ever really landed it uh, in what Jesus was really trying to teach to the disciples. And that's in when this huge storm comes along, we're going to see, um, and rocks their world, gets to the point where they are afraid they are going to die. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with the geography or you are familiar with the geography around that area, um, the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains. So you could, you could leave port... Uh, and see that the, the sky is clear, everything looks good, and uh, occluded from your view just beyond the mountains is a big storm coming around the corner. So you could be in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and then just get hammered. So we're going to hear about how this is a monstrous storm to the point where these men, these disciples, are stressed out of their mind. I mean, they're in panic mode. Um, they're pretty sure that this, is, this thing ends uh, like they're going to die if something doesn't change at that moment, and they cry out to Jesus who's there sleeping, and um, we're going to see how he calms that storm and rocks everybody's world. So, uh, Mark 4, let's get into it. Mark four thirty-five. it says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. I think that's very interesting that it says that. You know, a lot of times in the Bible we look around and say, did that, did that really happen? I mean, did that really happen? That sounds kind of extreme. And I, I think it's so great that the Bible says that they put this in here specifically to say, look, it, there were other people, like there was witnesses. It wasn't just them on this ride that happened. There were other boats there that had this experience. So it says that... Um, there were other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves break, broke over the boat. So it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, keep sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Don't we wish we could say that to our kids sometimes? <laughs> and the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Interesting, interesting moment there at the end. I mean, these disciples, these guys are stressed. I mean, they're like panic mode. And they're freaked out. And Jesus comes up and he says with a word, with a word, he calms the storm. And it says, and then they were terrified. Interesting, interesting moment. A powerful moment where God really teaches us through his son about control. I'm going to go back to, uh, to this 38 right here. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? 
Have you ever had a moment like that? Don't you care? I mean, God, don't you care right now? Don't you see what's going on? I'm going to show you guys a little illustration here. Um, got these two cones. Let's say uh, this cone right here. This represents the plan, like how things ought to be, like the way we see it. This is what should happen. This is good. This cone right here represents reality, how things really are, what's really going on in our lives. It's a little dirty, but it's what's happening. If these two cones are fairly close to each other like this, life is good. When our reality is right alongside with what our plan of things should be, how things ought to be, akuna matata, we are good. I mean, we're comfortable. But then this happens. Stress. This is the gap we start to stress about. This is when things become a little bit uncomfortable. You know, why, why are they not seeing the work that I'm doing to get that promotion? Why haven't they called me yet to tell me that my pink slip has been rescinded? Why, why am, have I not gotten into that college? This is where stress starts to creep in. We start feeling a little uncomfortable, a little stressed out, because the way things ought to be, our plan doesn't quite match up with what's going on in our lives. This moment, this is when anger starts to creep in a little bit. I mean, in the beginning, we're a little frustrated. Hey, I'm comfortable, a little stressed out. I need to take care of this. What's going on? At this moment, this is when we got, we got to really try to keep ourselves from getting angry at God. I mean, God, do you not see what I'm doing? I mean, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, right? Why is what's happening not really happening the way it's supposed to, the plan, the way things ought to be? And this is where we got to keep ourselves from getting angry at God. God, you know... If you want to take out anything out on anybody, I know my neighbor doesn't know you. Why don't you go ahead and send a little wrath on their life, a little wake-up call? I don't need the wake-up call. I get it. At this moment, this is where we just begin to panic. I mean, this, we, in this moment, we scurry like rats. This is when we're saying... Don't you care? Do you see how far away things have gotten to the way it ought to be? When it gets that far away from the way things, we think things should be and the way it ought to be, and we're over here, we don't even know what to do with ourselves. We start screaming out, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm five months behind on my mortgage? God, don't you care that, don't you care that, my retirement was in a 401k and it was in the stocks and it just went to nothing? God, don't you, don't you care that my kid right now is going crazy on me? God, don't, did, you, did you hear the doctor? Cancer? God, don't you care about my marriage? It's on the rocks. Don't you care? In that moment, we're like the disciples. We are freaked out of our mind. We are stressed to the limit. And we think, we got to do what we got to do. And a lot of times, we grab for the wheel. All right, I need to take control of the situation. 
it is out of control, and now it's mine. In that moment, so often, we take the wheel. You're going to be asleep, God, then I'm taking the wheel. I've got to take this because I've got to do whatever I can to get that cone back over to the plan. And so we start making decisions. Most, some of the worst decisions we've made probably have happened in that moment, in a panic moment. You know, God, I, I mean, I don't normally lie, but I mean, the situation and, I, I mean, if it'll get me a little bit closer there, then... You know, God, I mean, he might not be the best for me, but don't you care? I mean, I guess it's all I get. That's what's left for me. It's just what I got to deal with. Don't you care? We take it and we start reaching for the wheel to take control of our lives and put it back on course. We figure we'll steer the boat. And that's stress. Panicked out stress. But I wonder, who, uh, who said things have to happen like that? Who, who placed this cone here? Who decided that everybody else got laid off and you didn't? Or everybody, you got in that college and nobody else did? Who decided that? Who made that decision? What if, what if, what if we move the cone and the cone was really there? What if this is where it was supposed to be? I mean, because we've said that reality and the plan, when they, when they get close, I mean, life's good. Life's comfortable. What if this is exactly where it's supposed to be? What if? You know, sometimes well, it's over here and we're like, you know, God, um, we, we give him our, our, our order. God, listen, you know, I, I'd like a 2.5 kids, a very low mortgage, and a nice car and a milkshake. If you could take care of that, that would be fantastic. That's the plan. And all of a sudden, it's not happening like that. It's so interesting that we judge how good God is or how faithful God is on how well he obeys us and not on how well we obey him. It's so interesting. And sometimes, don't get me wrong, you know, we put the cone out there. We do it to ourselves. We make decisions. God, I know he's not a Christian boy, but, you know, maybe. Oh, man, I mean, I know, I just figured I always have money I'd, when I was signing that, in, that variable interest rate for my mortgage. We put ourselves in those situations. We make those decisions. Not to say that we're not a part in it, but what if, what if the cone was there? What if that's where the cone was supposed to be? What if? There's a, a great story in the Bible about how Jesus heals a blind man. Remember this story? He's walking along the streets, and um, they come along a blind man, him and his disciples. And uh, eventually does heal the blind man, and, and, and the disciples ask him, who sinned, this man or his parents? And God said, neither. This man's like this so that the power of God could be shown forth. So that could, people could see me change his life right here, right today, right now. 
Life change. And then he healed him because he knew people needed to see that. Jesus in that moment said to the disciples and everybody else, no, 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 no. The cones are right here where they're supposed to be. And now you go back to that kid when he's a, a kid, the blind guy. I mean, he's seeing this gap. You know, when he's playing with his friends, why can't I play with anybody? I can't play with my friends. Everybody else looking at him saying, man, you must have really messed up. You did something bad. You did something awful to get that, to get that circumstance. That's your reality. No, no, no. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Cones are right here. That's where they're supposed to be. Because there's people today that need, needed to see and know my heavenly father because I calmed the storm in this guy's life. You know, Jesus, in this moment with the disciples, doesn't say, hey guys, we're, we're going to steer around the storm. We're going to go around it. And he says, guys, <laughs> the wind was blowing just as hard as I wanted it to. The waves were just as high as I wanted them. There's people out there that needs to see Jesus calm the storm in your life. And he knows it. That is a a scary moment. Because he's saying you're not in control. Isn't it interesting that we measure the faithfulness of God and whether or not he obeys us and not if we obey him? Back to the passage. Mark 4, 38 says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. See, Jesus in this moment was saying, Hey guys, This thing was never more than a word away. This storm was never bigger than me. You need to know that. And that's what terrified them. They realized that they were in a boat with a God who was bigger, stronger, smarter than they were that could fix a problem that they could not. Everything that was going on was never more than a word away. The thing that we need to realize, guys, is just because our life is out of control doesn't mean that God has lost control of it. Just because our life's out of control doesn't mean it's been lost for God. That it's out of control for him. There was never a moment that I wasn't bigger than the storm, he says. There was never a moment, not even a second. I mean, I know you guys... You know, when you woke me up, you wanted me in there bailing water with you. And it didn't matter how high you raised the sails. It didn't matter how fast you were bailing water. At the end of the day, friends, our Heavenly Father was going to decide how this one ends. It was Him. Because we're not big enough. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough to fix it. We aren't. When I... uh, when I was younger, I won't say an age. Uh, when I was younger, I uh, went to Disneyland. The place is the best. You should go. It's really cool. They have lots of fun stuff there. They have this one, uh, one cool ride there. It's called Autotopia. Anybody ever heard of that one? Autotopia? Everyone's like, yes. <laughs> Autotopia is like race cars. So you get to race around. So 
I was younger. I was like super excited because I saw they had race cars there and I was going to tear it up. I mean, I was going to make it happen. I was going to show everybody my skills and I was going to burn everybody. I mean, it was going to be legit. So I get in the car. I'm like revving up ready. And I see this like line in the middle and I'm like, oh, I got to follow the line. That's good. It's even got a little line for me to follow. So I'm going, I'm going around the turns and all of a sudden, as hard as I can, I'm turning and then back around, I'm like looking back, I'm like, I'm tearing them up, man, this is great. I was like, front of the pack, I'm in the red car, I'm like lightning. <laughs> Moving along, and about the second lap, I'm like, and then I'm like, every once in a while, I like bang into something. I'm like, what am I banging into right now? What's the, up with my wheel? And all of a sudden, I like did a quick spin, I like realized, my wheel's not connected to anything. <laughs> I just got this like center line track on there to keep me in the middle. From going around, I'm just having a toot and rooting good time on my own. <laughs> I think that's what happens to us a lot of times is, and we have to realize, we, we're not supposed to be in control. Jesus is saying, you never were, you never were, you never were in control. And you're not supposed to be. I got a little track down there. That's going to keep you in the middle and decide where we're going. You need to be along for the ride in your sweet little red vehicle. And you can still be excited about it. But you are never in control. And that, my friends, is a scary revelation for a handful in here. That is a scary thought to know that we aren't in control. Back to the passage. Mark 4, 39, it says, He got up, rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. He says, Why are you afraid? Key question we're going to ask. And do you have no faith? Two questions that he asked in there that I want to tackle with you guys. First one. Can you imagine saying that to you? Why are you so afraid? And you just want to be like, <laughs> duh. I mean, I don't even know how you were sleeping. Did you not notice that you were almost drowned? <laughs> the boat was swamped. Duh. We're going to die. What do you mean I'm not afraid? And you look at him and be like, duh. Did you not see that I was five months behind on my mortgage? I'm trying to figure out if I can short sell my house. Duh, did you not see that my kid's going crazy right now? I don't even know what to do. Seriously, you don't see that? Duh. And Jesus would look at him and be like, why are you so afraid? All right, well, it's our job to stress. We are human beings, and it's our job to stress. This is how stuff happens, and we get all fired up about it. We're supposed to. We're supposed to get stressed out about this stuff and worked up about it because we've got to take the wheel, and we've got to take control. And that's what needs to happen right now, or else we're going down, and you're not a part of it. I think in that moment, Jesus rewrote the job description. He says, no, 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 no. Your job is to Trust. Your job is to trust that I am bigger, stronger, smarter, and that I'll fix your problems because you can't. Because if we get here, friends, and we try to fix this ourselves, we can't. 
We will fail. We'll fail ourselves and we'll fail other people. We're just not. We're just not big enough, strong enough, smart enough to fix it ourselves. We can't. But God said, your job is to trust. And trust that your heavenly father is enough. Because he is more than enough to calm any storm in your life. He is enough. Your job is to trust. It even says that in the scriptures in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, recognize and acknowledge him and he will direct and make straight and right your paths. Trust. Trust. So then he said, do you still not have faith? Do you still have no faith? If you translate this in Greek, it said... Why are you still, or do you still have little faith? Little faith. So Jesus said, why are you little faithing right now? Why do you guys have such little faith right now in this moment? Do you guys not understand that I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm smarter than all these things? Why do you guys keep putting little faith in yourself and in me? Little faith only belongs with you. Big faith, all faith belongs in me. As long as we keep trusting ourselves, you're trusting in something that's far too small for your problems. It says, guys, if you guys are trusting that you guys can take care of the situation, you can't. At the end of the day, he was going to make the decision. I'm a word away. I was never smaller than that storm. Jesus would say to us, guys, when are you going to stop little faithing? Place your faith in something bigger, stronger, smarter that can fix your problems. I was uh, flying from Phoenix to Spokane, Washington with a couple friends a couple years ago. And uh, uh, one, of my, one of my friends, he, uh, he was on purpose sitting in front of me in Southwest because he didn't want to be next to me because he, he like was freaked out of planes to get like nauseous real quick and I like love it. <laughs> I like love seeing other people just being miserable. <laughs> I'm, I'm mean and I'm like a freak that way. So, so uh, then, and then my other buddy was sitting on the window, you know, window aisle and it's a full plane and this sweet poor little girl had to sit between us that we didn't know and we're chatting, and it is like a rough day flying. Like, turbulence is, is, as we're getting closer into Spokane, I mean, the wind is howling, and we were kind of flying all over the place. I mean, there's a lady over here that is, like, doing the hyperventilating thing in a bag. There's another person that's already started chuking. I mean, it was good. I mean, it was solid. I was all fired up about this. Like, oh, look at that. Look at it. And bouncing everywhere. And, and uh, there, the, my buddy in front of me was white-knuckling hard, just trying to breathe it through. And so... As we get closer, the pilot comes on and says, uh, flight attendants need to take a seat. Folks, we are not collecting trash. I don't know if you've ever been in a flight that had that, so this happened. Uh, then he says, We're gonna, we need to start preparing for landing. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> so kind of like this, hmm, awesome. <laughs> so all of a sudden you can hear, <gasps> you know, the whole plane does that. <sighs> no one really wants to talk to each other, but it'll just make noise. <laughs> so I'm looking over and... The lady in between us is trying to stay, you know, chill, like she's just talking to us. And all of a sudden, we start doing like this, boom, boom, like your seatbelt's catching you. And all of a sudden, her knees are up. People are screaming. And I'm like, ooh. I'm like tapping on the guy in front of me. You doing okay? And he's like, <laughs> I mean, everyone's starting to lose it now. And then all of a sudden, I notice out the window, we're getting close to the ground. And all of a sudden, we do this. We turn sideways. And we're still going that way, though. 
We're into the wind, and the wind's blowing so hard that we're just like, like flying sideways. It's called crabbing. I figured this out. Uh, and now all of a sudden the plane is like, ah, the fire, you know, on the sides, and everyone's freaking out, and everyone's like, blah, blah. <laughs> it was intense, man. I was like, wow, this is like crazy, out of control. And so we like touch only one wheel, and we're still kind of going sideways. Like, how is this going to happen? We're just going to start rolling. And all of a sudden he goes, and just slaps it down, turns it at the last second, we land. There was no applause and clapping. No one did that. I mean, they weren't even there. It was like a big sigh, and everyone just wanted to get the plane to change themselves. <laughs> they weren't excited about it. And so, so in this moment when everyone is panicked and freaked out, I mean, half those people want to just like fly up the aisle, bust into the cockpit, and move the pilot, get out of the way. You do not, this moment is way intense for me. You do not know what you're doing. I got to take the wheels and take control of this. But you sit there and be like, who else would you want up there? There's no one smarter. There's no one more equipped. If, if anybody's going to do it, when I'm in that moment, he's going to do it. He's going to bring it home. That's a scary moment. I was comfortable. But man, that's those moments when we want to take it. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I've got this. So I want to ask you guys, who's flying your plane? Who's flying your plane? You want to know something really scary? There's some people in this room, and you're flying the plane. And you don't have anybody else to fly it. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're stressed, that should stress you out. I mean, to the max. If you don't have anybody else to fly that plane and land it for you, you're right. You should be stressed out. Some of you guys are flying your own plane right now. You're having trouble sitting in the back, looking at the cones. Who's flying your plane? You're not in control. It's huge. Close your eyes and bow your heads with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.